Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Let's open up our word today. We're going to be going to the book of James. You'll find that toward the, the, the end of the New Testament, okay? Somewhere back there before you get to Revelation, you back up a little ways, okay? And, uh, after the Gospels and Acts and Corinthians. And uh, we're going today to talk about control issues. How many of you had know someone in your world that might have some control issues? Yeah, <laughs> of course, uh, you know, these are some of the people that hopefully you won't meet this week on the road because they often exhibit a little road rage. Maybe they, um, they uh, also are those that, you know, are a little impatient or anxious or maybe uh, someone at work or at school. Maybe they're a little overbearing. Maybe they're a little bit, uh, you know, um, obsessive, compulsive. Maybe they, they don't like to move outside the elements of control. But I've got news for you today. Uh, you know, if you have control issues, you're going to have kind of a difficult life because you're not in control if you haven't already figured that out. You know, God does not first seek our permission before He upsets our plans. And I know some of us don't like to have our plans upset. Some of us can't hardly stand uh, whenever something happens that's outside the realm of our planning or our ability to, to make it happen. But at, at times, those among us well, you know, uh, who have control issues we may find it a little more difficult to trust God sometimes. You know, not everyone is on the same level of life. Not everyone thinks the same. Not everyone feels the same. Not everyone imagines the same. And I know it's easy for some people to say, well, why don't you just trust God? But, you know, you know for some people, it almost seems easy for them to trust God. You ever, you ever meet those people? Yeah, it just seems very easy for them to just go, oh, well, whatever God wants, fine. You know, you know. And for others, it seems like a struggle. And it really is a struggle at times for some people to turn things over to God. We have to recognize that. We have to realize that not every person in our world finds it easy to trust God in a difficult moment of life. However... Faith, even though it's not always easy for some, nevertheless, it's always the best choice. It's the best route. You see, uh, Jesus died and was raised to life again. And uh, when he was, you know, during his 30 years of, of living, 33 years of living on earth, and then died and rose again, it was after he was already resurrected before his half-brother, James, even believed in him. I mean, James, the son of Mary and Joseph, did not even imagine that his brother Jesus was special in any way. In fact, James was the part of the group that made fun of Jesus in the Gospels and, you know, poked a little fun at him and, 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 and you know, tried to, tried, tried to, well, go on down to Jerusalem. <laughs> go on, you know, you want to be famous, go ahead. 
But later on, we find James saved, cleaned up his life, filled with the Holy Spirit, the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem, doing missions works in Samaria and all the way to the uttermost parts of the world, we find him enduring and living a life and trusting Almighty God, even though he had seen some of his deacons and he had seen some of his elders and seen the apostles executed, persecuted, and executed, perhaps right in front of him. He nonetheless held up that, that banner of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And James found a faith that not only he could teach, but a faith he could live. You know, there are times when people will teach you something and they'll teach it and leave it. <laughs> you ever had somebody teach you something and then leave it with you? As opposed to teaching it and living it with you? Well, James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, was the kind of pastor who would teach you something and then live it with you, walk it out with you, to make sure that, that, that you, were, you, know, you were seeing him demonstrate the faith he was encouraging you to live. I love this type of individual. He encouraged us to realize that faith is trusting God with the things that we do not know, that we cannot control, and even things that we have a hard time imagining that God would allow. In fact, there are some things going on around the world right now that some are having trouble imagining God would allow. There are things perhaps that have happened in your family or happened in your community or in your own life that you wonder, how could God let this happen? How can God allow this? Why doesn't God do something about this? Faith, the faith that James is going to teach us today, has to move beyond our ability to control things and beyond our ability to only trust God in the things we understand. We need faith to trust God in things we do not understand, in things we cannot imagine, in things that we never thought would happen. We need to realize there is a faith that reaches beyond our control issues. And today we're going to read this. We'll start with a familiar passage and we'll even poke maybe a little bit of fun at, at, at something he's going to say. Uh, and, 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 and you may even find yourself getting your toes stepped on this morning. Okay? And it's not my goal to step on your toes. But if I do step on your toes, realize your toes probably shouldn't be right there. Okay? Because we're just coming from the Word this morning. So let's just open up our hearts. Let's open up our minds. And let's decide before we get into James that if the Word of God said that this morning, we're going to take it like medicine. We're going to put a smile on our face and we're going to leave here better than we came. We're going to find something this morning that we can hold on to, something that will change us just a little bit, and we're also going to find something that we can take and give to someone else who needs it. We all know somebody that should be here this morning, right? You know someone who should be watching today, all right? And so, uh, you know, maybe you want to go ahead and text them right now and tell them you should be watching this. <laughs> this, is, this, this is going to be one of those good toe-stepping-on moments here. 
Are you ready? We're talking about control issues. So let's get into the book of James. We're going to the fourth chapter of James. We're going to be, uh, begin reading in verse 13. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation this morning because it says it very plainly and, and, it, and, and it is a very good doctrine for us to embrace this morning. Uh, listen to what James, the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, had to say. He said, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. <laughs> Now, what's he talking about here? He's, he's talking about all of you who decide what's going to happen in your life over the next year. All of you. Not those who may have a prayer for what might happen. Not those who are petitioning God. But those who just already have decided and declared that this is what I'm going to do. You know, come that proverbial hell or high water. And I'm going to do it no matter what. James says this, verse 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Oh my. Now, if you have one of those permanent magic markers, or actually I think uh, uh, you know, some of you may have some scissors with you, you may want to cut this out or mark this out because certainly this could not, you know, that's, you know how do you know? How do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? Wow, that almost flies in the face of some people's faith. But James is not going against the message of grace, and he's not going against the message of faith. James is trying to teach us a higher faith, not just faith, in what we know God is going to do because there are times that God gives us a plan for the future and he tells us what he's going to do but more often than not we as James will declare we are left to the mercies of God look what he says your life is like the morning fog anybody ever get up in a morning fog your life is like the morning fog he says it is here a little while and then it's gone. Verse 15. What you ought to say is this. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, any more than that, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Now, he's not saying we don't need to have some plans in life. He's not saying that we don't need to think about what we're going to do. What he's saying is we don't need to be upset when God changes those plans. When something unexpected may happen. When something that we did not imagine might be on the horizon. Whenever something outside of our control happens to us then we should not throw in the towel and begin to feel as though that something so unfair so unimaginable something so ungodly has happened to us and God must have been asleep at the wheel God must not be watching God must not care God must not like me God must not want to bless me like so many people do when things happen that are outside of their control. 
verse 17 concludes this thought remember he says it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it uh what's he referring to here let's let, let let me jump back to verse 15 what you ought to do it's a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it he said what you ought to do in verse 15 is say what what you ought to say what you ought to do is put it into God's hands and to him who knows to put their future plans into God's hands and you know under his scrutiny and under his control when you know you should do that and you don't when you don't leave room for God to interact or to do something that you did not imagine you did not think you did not believe would happen to not allow God the right to upset your plans to know what you ought to do and not do it is sin Wow. Let's look at three great truths uh, in, in, in the life, in, in our life, that, that Pastor James wrote about. Number one, uh, James is clearly saying here, number one thing that we need to embrace is, number one, God is in control. Do not believe that he's not. God is in control today. He's in control of what's happening in your life. He's in control of what happens in your family. He is in control of what happens ultimately in our nation and the world. Now, he may not be making every little thing happen, but he is taking everything that happens, and he is working all things together for good to those who love him or are called according to his purpose we can trust God we can trust God even with things that we did not expect Proverbs 27 verse 1 says do not brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring that's what James is saying you really don't know what tomorrow or next year is going to bring we don't know today what tomorrow or next year may bring in our lives in our church in our families we do not know what may happen in our jobs our economy we do pray and ask God to bless us and we do trust that we're on a good track and we do believe that he's going to intervene in his time but but we must trust him beyond our own control because if we do not we will end up being disappointed living an angry disappointed life because of our own pretentious presumptive opinions faith by the way is only faith when it's trusting God it's not faith when it's trusting in yourself it's not faith faith when it's trusting in a presumptive opinion faith is not trusting your opinion it's trusting the word of God Proverbs 16 verse 9 says we can make our plans but the Lord determines our steps you can make your plans now listen I can go on and on and on with scripture after scripture after scripture with this very same truth contained in it such as Jeremiah 10 23 I know Lord Jeremiah said that our lives are not our own we are not able to plan our own course Wow now I'm not trying to you know shoot you out of the saddle of your plans for your future or your retirement or your your you know your your uh, you know uh, your your life or your tomorrow that's not it at all and it's not that we should not plan that's not the point we should plan but we should not fall prey 
to the doctrine of demons that says that just because something you planned didn't happen, that it was the devil and that God is not here. God is in control of my life. The devil is not in control of my life. And if God in any way gives me an inkling, gives me a nudge, if he gives me a thought that the devil may be involved trying to ruin or destroy one of my plans, then I release angels on assignment and I release my faith and by my prayer I pull down strongholds and cast down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes I don't know what tomorrow will bring I don't know what God is going to do tomorrow in the world or in this situation that situation or in someone's life many times when I go to the hospital to pray for people I pray with my faith but I do not know if they are going to live or die come on and I can't allow the devil to rob me of trusting God because He is in control. I must trust in His plan and not mine. It's not a lack of faith to pray and to trust God. It is a lack of faith to stop trusting Him when what you wanted didn't happen. Oh, that's good preaching, isn't it? Huh? Well, you say, I can, I can hear those six of y'all out there saying amen out there. <laughs> One more, Psalms 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Wow. God knows every detail. He knows the number of the hairs on your head. Isn't that interesting? He knows your thoughts and the intents of your heart. Ah. I'm amazed at how much God is in control. You know, uh, the nations of this world and, and uh, the leaders leading the nations of this world, they are not in control. They are no more in control than Pharaoh was. What may seem like a surprise to you is a plan to God. As I said earlier, God does not first seek our permission before he upsets our plans. The second thing that James teaches us in this passage, number one is that God is in control, and number two is that life on planet earth is short by any standard. Life on planet earth is short by any standard. Listen. The Son of God, Jesus, He lived 33 and a half years on planet Earth. He did quite a lot, but wasn't that a short time? How about Methuselah, who lived to be 969 years old? He'd been dead nearly 5,000 years. My goodness, it was a short time for him as well. Life is short. And if we don't buy into the reality that life is short, if we don't buy into the reality that, 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 that things happen that are outside of our control and life is short by any means, then we're going to end up living in this fog. As, as James said in James 4.14, your life is like the morning fog. It is here for a little while, then it's gone. It's like a vapor, the King James says, like the morning fog. 
It's here for just a moment, and then it vanishes away. That's life. Life on planet Earth is short. However, death is not our enemy. Okay? Death is not the enemy that we need to defeat. We need to defeat our lostness. Because being lost is the enemy of life. You will never taste death if you're born again. You will never see the grave. We talked about that earlier this morning. You know, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you will never see the inside of a grave. You will never taste death. Jesus tasted death for all mankind. When you come to Christ, you pass from death unto life and you will never die but life on planet earth is short death for me has been swallowed up in victory christ is my victory you know uh, thomas cromwell you you probably don't know thomas cromwell but let me introduce you to him for just a moment thomas cromwell was the great grandfather of a more well-known uh, a person oliver cromwell I know y'all all know Oliver Cromwell. Well, uh, Thomas Cromwell, he served as the chief minister to King Henry VIII back in, you know, from, you know, 1532 to 1540, okay? quite a number of years ago. Uh, he's dead now. <laughs> At one point, King Henry VIII gave Thomas Cromwell the title of the uh, Earl of Essex. But shortly after he got that title, he was the chief minister, the Earl of Essex, he really fell into disfavor with King Henry VIII. And if you know much about King Henry VIII, he was kind of volatile, okay? He was the king of England, and he did pretty much whatever he wanted to, okay? And, uh, and so uh, Cromwell took great pride in his religious activities. He took great pride in his belief in Jesus Christ and in his connection to Jesus and, and and, uh, you know, uh, he, he is credited, in fact, Thomas Cromwell, with the publication of the Great Bible, which was the very first authoritative version of the Bible in English. Isn't that interesting? You know, I mean, he loved the Word of God and he loved Jesus, and, and, but, but King Henry VIII, all of a sudden, he did love him. And this is the way the world is. The world will love you one day and hate you the next. And King Henry VIII hated him, okay, decided he was going to execute him. Well, uh, it's recorded by some historians that on the day when Cromwell, Thomas Cromwell, was going to be executed, there was another man that was also in disfavor with King Henry VIII. His name was Lord Hungerford. And so Lord Hungerford was in the same jail as Cromwell, and they were both going to be executed after breakfast. And so... Cromwell and Hungerford had breakfast together. And Cromwell noticed that Lord Hungerford was really sad. He was down in the dumps. He was about to have his you know, head taken off. And he was very, very sad. And, and he just didn't, he never expected to end up in this place. This, was not what he, this is not what he thought his lordship would, would, would afford him. And so here, you know, he's sad, he's weeping, he's down in the dumps. And Cromwell said, what's wrong with you, man? Come on, lift up your heart. Come on now, get excited about this. 
Think about it, he said. Uh, you know, uh, don't, don't be so sad. Don't be dismayed. If you repent, Jesus Christ will forgive you of everything you ever did, and you'll be secure with him for eternity. And, and don't be dismayed. And with that, he encouraged. This is what he said in, in part. He said, though the breakfast we are going to be sharp, this is how he put it in Old English. You know, we're going to breakfast and it's going to be pretty sharp. <laughs> Yet trusting to the mercy of the Lord, we shall have a joyful dinner. And with that, we're told, I'm, you know, I, 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 I can't verify this, but the writings about this say with that hungerford perked up and realized he was about to go to heaven you know the breakfast may not be all it could have been and afterwards might even be a little sharp with a, with a guillotine there or whatever they were using but you know dinner was going to be wonderful <laughs> oh man you see that's what james is telling us here that our life is so short and though weeping may endure for a moment, for a season, for a nighttime, yet joy shall come in the morning. And that's what we have to realize. God is in control way beyond my control, way beyond what I can forecast, and way beyond anything I can plan. When the moment comes that we draw our last breath on earth, I hope we have the consciousness to realize we are born-again believers. We will be absent from this body in the twinkling of an eye and present with the Lord. And though life is short on planet earth, yet I will live forever. And my greatest day is yet ahead. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a great dinner. Come on now. Marriage supper of the Lamb. How wonderful. Well, these two things that James has taught us so far is that God is in control. And as well, number two, the realization that life on planet Earth is short by any standard. We have to learn to enjoy it and to trust God every day. The third thing that James teaches us in this passage is that we ought to do what we know to do. He said in James 4, 17, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it wow now listen whatever you're going through right now it might be bad but believe me you can make it worse okay it might be bad but you can make it worse don't think that holding out on god or or or, or uh, you know uh, not trusting him or not not you know, uh, opening up your heart to Him is going to make it better. It won't. It will make it worse. Without respect to how bad it is now, you can always make it worse. But to know what you ought to do and not do it, and this is what James says, what should we do? What ought we to do? We should really put our life in God's hands. Not that we should not make plans not that we should be without plans not that we should be without hope but we ought to trust god with our tomorrows because we cannot today begin to know what tomorrow might bring this brings me 
to the question of salvation today. I know it seems like a first grade question for those of you who are saved. But there is no greater question. There is no greater confidence, no greater comfort when you get to a place that you have lost control, when you get to a place that is beyond your ability to manipulate, you cannot rewind the clock and you cannot fix what happened. When you get to a place to where you have to depend on God, there's no greater comfort than knowing that Jesus, the greater one, lives on the inside of you. There is no greater comfort than salvation which comes through Jesus Christ. Today, if you are not certain you are born again, if you are not certain that you are saved, then today is your day. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You, you don't have to worry about your past. Just like you know, Monica this morning as she shared her testimony, you know, uh, some of you I know were going, <gasps> you know, she went to church invited by a married man who that, you know, it sounded as though that she was kind of dating the guy, didn't it? Hello? Is that fair? Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Jesus reaches. He saves. And He'll save you today out of any circumstance, out of any situation. He'll put a real plan in your heart, a real plan for your future, a plan that says without regard to what may happen in Eastern Europe or in Asia, without regard and without respect to what may go on this next year in my life, I know my eternity is secure in Christ and I know that He loves me. He cares about me. He has saved my soul. He's forgiven my sins and I have an eternity to enjoy. You can do that right now. How do you do that? Number one, you simply recognize that you need a Savior. You know, this not only works for eternal salvation, it also works for the temporary things you need in this life. You recognize that you need help. Recognize that you need Jesus. Recognize that you need a Savior, a Deliverer, a Forgiver, a Helper, an Encourager, a, a Prince of Peace. Realizing that you need something in your life right now and it's Jesus Christ number two you repent of your sins this morning if you've never been born again you can turn your life over to him by realizing you need a savior recognizing you are lost and repenting that means to turn from your sins and to turn your life to him you cannot get saved without giving your life to jesus you cannot get saved by just saying the words you must give your life to jesus 
and that takes a turning from the world and a turning to him you can do the same thing if you're in sin if you're a born-again christian living in sin or in trouble in your life right now or going down the wrong road recognizing you need a savior and turning your life around turning it over to him turning from your sin to him that's the repentance that i'm talking about and then once we recognize and once we repent we can then receive receiving salvation just for asking just for the simple prayer of come into my heart and my life jesus forgive me of my sins save my soul lord i'm yours you can do the same thing for rededicating your life to christ jesus forgive me of my sins i recognize and realize i need help i realize that i need you i'm sorry for the things i've done i've said i turn from my way to your way and i ask you save me forgive me deliver me encourage me teach me walk with me be with me be my lord be my savior that can fix you it can fix your problems it will go a long way to fix your family if you are the problem hello that's the reality it can fix your workplace it will work it works because jesus loves you has a real plan for your life and then what we do is realize he's in control and life is short we need to enjoy it as much as we can and we don't need to just trust god with the things we understand we need to trust him faith is trusting him with things you don't understand things you you can't imagine why he allowed trusting him and then realizing what we ought to do is continue every day to turn our life over to him because we do not know what the day will bring let's all do that together right now would you pray with me right now those of you at home those of you on campus would you pray with me right now Lord Jesus, we realize and recognize we need help. We need help every day. Our world needs help. Our community needs help. Lord, our friends need help. Our family needs help. God, we need help. We need help in our thought life. We need help, Lord, in, in, in our workplace. God, we need help. We're a people in need of you. God, some, Lord are not certain they're born again. They need you, Lord. We need salvation that only comes from you we need deliverance we need peace we need hope we need your plan for our life Jesus forgive us of our sins pray right now with me pray won't you just just ask you know pray when we pray okay don't just let the time pass pray Jesus forgive us of our sins forgive us of our failures even our secret sins our shortcomings forgive us Jesus Forgive us. We, we, we turn our life to you, Lord. We turn this circumstance to you, Lord. The things we cannot control, Lord, we turn them over to you, God. The things we did not expect, Lord. The things, Lord, we cannot imagine happen, Lord, we're going to have to give those to you, Lord. Would you take them from us, God? Would you take the burden off of our heart? Would you take the burden, Lord, off of our mind, God? Lord, would you heal our unrest, Lord, and our brokenheartedness? Would you heal, Lord, our grief, Lord, and our pain, God? Would you heal, Lord, the places we're in, Lord? 
our, 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 our life, our, our, our minds, our world has been shattered, Lord. Would you heal our nation, Lord? Would you heal our land, Lord? Would you heal our generation? We turn it over to you. We'll do whatever you ask us to. We turn it to you. And God, right now, we ask you to send Jesus, the Deliverer, the Savior, the Prince of Peace, into our heart. Lord, into our mind, into our life. Refresh us. Lord, save the lost, God. Lord, revitalize the saint, Lord. God, refresh us, Lord. Refresh us, Lord. Restore to us, as David said, the joy of our salvation. Restore to us, Almighty God, the peace, the joy, the hope, the trust that we need to place in you every day. Lord, some of us have been very disappointed. Some of us, Lord, and some listening, Lord, are afraid. Lord, they're in very, very difficult situations and very needy. God, help, we pray. Help, sir. Lord, here we are. Save us. Save our nation. Save our generation. We pray for those, Lord, in Ukraine and Poland and Belarus and Russia, Lord, and in the places, God, that, that are going through such newsworthy turmoil right now. God, Lord, we turn it to you, sir. Life is so short. God, move in that place lord we ask you for what we want and we thank you that you are working your plan and you work all things together sir lord we bless your name we give you our lives in jesus name amen amen amen, amen. thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from pastor ron hammonds Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.